to the RPC Sermons Podcast. You can join us for virtual worship every Sunday at roswellpress.org. Thanks for listening. Again, welcome to Roswell Presbyterian Church on this Palm Sunday. I'm so glad you're with us as we celebrate, we remember Jesus' final entry into Jerusalem, that most sacred of weeks in human history. We celebrate... Holy Week in a number of ways, but we're going to have a service here in the courtyard at 7 p.m. on Maundy Thursday. We have two services on Good Friday. We have a noon service here in the gym. We'll have a 7 o'clock service in the sanctuary. Then we're going to have seven services around kind of Roswell on Sunday, Easter Sunday. We have two sunrise services. And somebody asked me, wait, wait, Jeff, there's only one sunrise. And they were joking. And I was like, They're in different spots, but they will celebrate the same sunrise. So there's one at Brookfield Country Club, and then there's going to be one in the RPC Cemetery. So we invite you to come to that. Then we have an 8.15, a 9.30, and an 11 all in the sanctuary. We have a 10.45 in here, and then we have a 9.30, like, holy chaos, you know, just celebrate family service in Alderman Hall. So whatever or all of them. Just come. It's going to be a great time as we celebrate the resurrection and the life we have in Jesus Christ. Today we're going to look at two disciplines that don't seem very spiritual. You know, we've been looking at like fasting and prayer and contemplation. Those seem like spiritual disciplines. But simplicity and service, those don't seem that that spiritual. But in the Christian tradition, simplicity and service are very important to the spiritual life. You have to learn to cultivate them, cultivate them as virtues if you want to flourish spiritually. Jesus talks about this in the Gospel of Luke, in Luke 12. And so I'm going to read a passage that includes just a fantastic parable. Let's open our hearts, our minds, and our ears for the word of the Lord. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, or rabbi, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Friend, who's set me to be a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then he told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly. And he thought to himself, What should I do? For I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones. There I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich towards God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. <clears throat> Gracious and loving God, we ask that in the next few moments you might be our teacher, that you might speak about these two practices of simplicity and service, that we might cultivate them in our own lives and in this church community, Lord, that we might flourish spiritually and be a blessing to those outside of it. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. 
Amen. Contrary to what my shoe collection might say, I've always practiced the KISS method. Keep it simple, stupid. One summer I was working at the seminary library and it was great because like no one was around. I could read, I could write, I could do whatever I wanted. And I was walking around the stacks one day and I bumped into this famous theologian and musician. His name's Jeremy Bagby. He now teaches at Duke, but he at the time was on the faculty at St. Andrews in the UK. He's a really interesting guy that focuses his scholarship at the intersection of theology and art. He's written a bunch of books, and I was lucky enough to take a class with him years ago in Vancouver. He has this awesome British accent, you know, just one of those people you just can listen to him talk for hours. And he's also got this interesting condition where he doesn't have any hair on his body. So you, you don't forget him. And so I bump into him and I say, you know, Dr. Bagby, it's Jeff. You know, what are you doing here in New Jersey? I, aren't you, shouldn't you be at St. Andrews where you teach? He said, well, Jeff, I'm here researching a book for the introduction, introduction to the conversation around theology and art. I said, oh, man, you've been thinking about that for years. That must be really easy. And he says, oh, no, old chap. I don't know if he said old chap, but I like to think he did. He says, it's proving to be quite a challenge. And then he said something that I will never forget. He says, it's way easier to be complicated than it is to be simple. It's way easier to be complicated than it is to be simple. I've got good news. He did finish his book. It's called Resounding Truth, Christian Wisdom in the World of Music. But since that conversation, I've always thought about and considered that, that conversation the difficultness, the challenge of simplicity. And I've heard all sorts of leaders kind of talk about the importance of simplicity, not being complicated, but being simple and rising to the challenge. I once heard Jamie Dimon, the CEO of Chase Bank, quote from Walter Isaacson's biography of Albert Einstein, who said, make things as simple as possible, but no simpler. Make things as simple as possible, but no simpler. And so to Jamie Dimon and Albert Einstein and Jeremy Bagby, we can also add Jesus' name. Jesus directs us to keep things simple. Luke writes in our passage today, someone in the crowd said to him, or that is Jesus, teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. This request, this question from an unknown stranger tries to draw Jesus into a family dispute about inheritance. Rabbis or teachers like Jesus were often asked to weigh in on practical matters. Most likely, the patriarch of the family had died, and they were trying to see how should we divide the inheritance. Well, the rules of inheritance come from the law in Deuteronomy 21, and they're pretty clear. That if you were the older brother, you got a double portion of the family's inheritance. But notice that Jesus doesn't even try to get into the issue. He asks him a question. He says, friend, <coughs> excuse me, friend, who set me to be a judge or arbitrator over you? And then Jesus, after he kind of brushes this issue aside, he gets to a deeper point, a principle. He says, take care, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, 
for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. I mean, man, how many of us are getting unnecessarily complicating our lives because we're pursuing to accumulate stuff? How many of us are trying to acquire and attain more and it's just complicating our lives? It's hurting relationships and friendships. How many of us think that our lives consist of the abundance of our possessions? Well, how should we simplify our lives? To illustrate the point, Jesus tells a parable as he often does. He tells a parable to explain or illustrate why it's foolish to think your possessions will define your life. He begins by, imagine a rich man who has land that produces abundantly. So abundantly so that all the crops won't fit in his barns. And rather than this man give out of his abundance, give out of his surplus to those in need, he says, oh, yeah, I know what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger barns. And then he says to himself, and I love how he talks to himself, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But little does the man know that his life will be demanded of him that night. And Jesus asks a haunting question. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? Whose will they be when you're gone? At the heart of this parable, this man acts foolishly because he thinks he can secure his possessions. He thinks he can secure the future. He thinks he can keep his possessions, his wealth safe. Notice four times he uses the future tense to talk about what's upcoming. He says, I will do this. I will pull down my barns. I will store all my grain. I will say to my soul, eat, drink, be merry. He's saying, I will about the future, but we know that the future is never guaranteed. This parable is a cautionary tale. It's a warning about finding your purpose in your possessions. It's telling us to be careful how we spend our days. Make your life count by spending it on things that last. Don't build barns you'll never use. Care about the things that really matter, not about what's passing away. Simplify your life to focus in on what's most important. See, greed is the opposite of simplicity. Greed is this desire for more, more, and more, but we know the human heart. It's an infinite vacuum that more is never enough. Once we get something, we just want more of it. I saw this point beautifully illustrated in one of my favorite commencement speeches by a writer named George Saunders who teaches fiction at Syracuse. And he was speaking to these graduates at the school and he was talking to them about the life they were going to confront as they stepped out the doors of the university. And he says, you will be tempted into consumerism and greed. He says, human life these days is like you're climbing up a mountain and with every step you climb, the mountain grows a little taller. I thought, oh man, George, you hit me in the heart. But that is my experience. When I get something, it's never quite good enough. I always want something more. And Jesus is warning us about greed. He's saying, simplify your life on what you really care about. Because greed will trick you. It will lie to you. That car you drive, oh, you think, oh, if, I, if, it, was just a little, if it was just a little faster, I'd be happier. Or your bank account, oh, 
What it says there, it says that's my value of my life. My living space, if it was a little nicer, it was a little bigger, it would bring true meaning to my life. I could go on and on with examples. And Jesus is saying, it just unnecessarily complicates our lives. I'm reminded of that line from Brad Pitt in Fight Club where he says, the stuff you own begins owning you. Begins owning you. Which reminds me of the wisdom of the notorious B.I.G. You may know uh, Biggie Smalls. In 1997, he had the number one song in the Hot 100. It was titled, Mo Money, Mo Problems. And the chorus of the song goes, I don't know what they want from me. It's like the more money we come across, the more problems we see. And I love it because it's countercultural. In a world, in a culture of bling, 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 he's saying, simplify. It unnecessarily complicates your life. More money, more problems. This has been empirically proven in sociological research. One study called the Happiness Project found that once you earn $70,000 a year, happiness plateaus. More money, more wealth does not increase your happiness. Why? Because we know that as we acquire more, that's just more stuff to take care of, oftentimes more stuff to protect. I don't know if you've ever had that experience. Say you get a new car. What do you need to get for it? You need to get insurance. Once you get insurance for the new car, you got to build a garage to house it, to keep it safe. So once you have the garage and the insurance for the new car, then what do you need? You need a security system to secure the garage with the car, with the insurance. But that's not enough. So you build a gate at the end of your driveway to protect the garage, to protect the car with the insurance and the security system. You know, you know this. You go to the grocery store, you park as far away from the door as you can so no one parks near you. You never let anyone borrow your car. Eventually, your things get in the way of your relationships, your friendships. They begin to own you. We do well to remember the advice of 38 Special, that 1981 album, Wild-Eyed Southern Boys. I couldn't put the, the cover of the album on the screen. <laughs> Just hold on loosely, they sing, but don't let go. If you cling too tightly, you'll lose control. Hold on loosely. Don't hold too tightly to your stuff. So how do we do it? How can we simplify? There's a great illustration. I was playing golf with a church member, and I'd ask him, I said, you know, you know kind of how, what's your philosophy of life? As I really respect, he seemed like a really wise and thoughtful guy. He said, well, in my career, eventually things got so chaotic, I couldn't keep it all together, and I went to the seminar, and they said, you should really find the value in your life that you could fit on one hand. He said, so Jeff, there's four things I care about that I prioritize in my life. My family, my faith, work. And then in his backswing, he looks at me and smiles and he says, golf. <laughs> I thought that was a lot of wisdom there to self-consciously say, what do I care about? What do I want to define my life? What is bringing my life importance? What is giving me purpose? As the poet Mary Oliver famously once asked, tell me Tell me what it is you plan to do with your one wild, precious life. You only have one 
wild and precious life. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to care about while you're on this rock floating in space? Spend your time and energy and effort on things that matter. Your life does not consist in the abundance of your possessions. I don't know if you noticed that when this man comes to ask Jesus, teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me, you can see that their attachment to stuff is beginning to break away and divide the family. It's coming in between their relationships, what they care about. And so will we use our wealth to foster true friendships, to build our relationships? Will we use the time we have on earth to focus on what really matters? Or will we build barns that we're never going to use? In our lives, occasionally God will present us moments to make that decision. Will we have the courage to focus in and simplify and not overly complicate our lives to focus in on what matters? Because if we're honest, how much land does a person really need? I don't know if you know this, but I try to make an effort to get out into the world and see how normal people live. None of you are normal. And I'm definitely not normal. So the other week I was at this golf course and I was eating lunch before I was gonna go out to the range and hit balls. And whenever I do this, I like to sit at the bar because I like to talk to the bartender. You know, I don't know if you know this, but bartenders are the secular priests of the modern age. And this bartender was talking to me and told me he had just recently graduated from Kennesaw State. I said, oh, that's so great. What are you, you going to do? And he's kind of telling me a little bit about this. And there was this group of older guys. They looked like retired types. And they were kind of, I mean, frankly, they were bragging about, like, all that they had. They were talking about their houses and their beach houses, their special golf clubs, their shoes. I mean, it was their car going on and on. It was like that one-upper skit from Saturday Night Live. And they were just going on and on. And I could see the bartender, his eyes got kind of big. And I could see greed kind of setting in. He was like, yeah, that's the kind of life, huh? That's what I'm looking for. I said, hey, man. Kind of drama, kind of, you know, break the spell. And I said, hey, man, have you ever read Leo Tolstoy? And you're going to be surprised at what he said. He said, who's Tolstoy? I said, oh, brother. Well, one of my favorite short stories of Tolstoy's is titled, How Much Land Does a Man Need? And he was like, what? I said, yeah. It's a great story. It tells the story of a Russian peasant who wanted to own land. And so eventually he came in to acquire land, and he was really successful with it. Became a man of some means. So much so that he began to worry and stress out about his neighbors, that his neighbors might try to take his land from him. So he knew what he needed to do. He needed more land. And so somehow he met the Bakshir people, who were simple people, but they had vast areas of land there in the region. And they make him, this former peasant, an interesting offer. They say, for a thousand rubles, we'll give you as much land as you can circle in a day. So you start out at the starting point at daybreak, and by sundown, make a circle in our land, and for a thousand rubles, you can have it all, but you got to be back at the starting place by sundown. So the next morning, he gets up at daybreak and begins to circle the land. He's got a little 
little implement that he's making lines so he can know how much land he's going to get. And he just gets obsessed with how much land he's going to be able to get. He's just obsessed and crazy for it. He wants all the land he can get. He forgets that he's got to make it back to the starting line. And suddenly he noticed the sun is about to set. And he begins to freak out. He begins to sprint back to the starting line, to the place he started, running as hard as he can, going. He's got to get there before the sun goes down. And he sees them, and he runs up, and he collapses at the feet of the Bakshirs. And his heart gives out, and he dies. And then one of the servants comes over and digs a six-foot-long grave. And then Tolstoy says, that's all the land a man needs. Now my bartender friends eyes were as big as saucers. I think I scared him a little bit. But I wanted to wake him up to his life, that your life does not consist in an accumulation of possessions. I told him, follow the KISS method. Keep it simple, son. (laughs) Spend the brief moments of your life on what lasts. Use your wealth to build and sustain friendships. Serve those who are less fortunate than you. Practice simplicity so that you can be spiritually rich towards God. Said it's as simple as that. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, I pray that we might be a people that practices simplicity so that simplicity will lead us to serve. Serve one another and to serve you. Lord, I pray that we might not think our lives thank heavens consist in the abundance of our possessions but it's in a simple life a simple life of service where we find meaning and purpose in your name we pray amen you've been listening to the rpc sermons podcast Please let us know you're here by visiting roswellpress.org and signing our digital friendship register. May the grace and love of God be with you today and throughout the rest of your week. Thanks for listening.